0: Turn in your Bibles to James chapter 3, James chapter 3, and we're going to begin there in just a moment. I was just handed a card, uh, prayer request, and I want to begin with this and, and others. Um, Sheila Eisenhower is, is uh, requesting our prayers, and some of the family, uh, they're leaving right now to, to go out to be with her. I'm not, not sure all the details there. Uh, but uh, they've requested that we pray uh, for Sheila this morning. And so I'm going to ask that we, if if it's convenient for you, join hands with those uh, next to you, and uh, let's go to God in prayer as we begin this morning. Father God, we thank you for this day. And Father, we thank you for our time together this morning, and we thank you for the gift that you have given us to praise you and to worship you what an honor it is father to to lift our voices in praise and worship to you father we thank you for the avenue of prayer we thank you for what it means to us in our life and in our walk with you and father right now i lift before you uh, sheila eisenhower Uh, father even though in this room right now we are not Fully aware of all the situations with her health that's going on. But, but we know that they have uh, requested that we call upon you. And uh, we, we do that right now. And we, we give Sheila to you. And we know that she is in your hands. And uh, Father, we just pray for comfort and for strength for all the family. Uh, and you'll be with them uh, during this uh, difficult time. Father, again, we thank you for the opportunity we have to call you our Father and to pause like we do right now and to come before you at any time, at any place. And we trust, Father, that your will be done in Sheila's life and with her health. And we pray that it will be done in our life as well. And we ask this prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen. So we begin this morning, I want to ask you, when it comes to talking or listening, I want you to think about that for a minute, okay? How many of you in this room would rather talk if you were given that choice? Raise your hand. Molly's hand is up really high, okay? Raise it up high so I can see. Wow. Now, raise your hand up real high if you would just rather listen. Wow. Okay. Now, I want you to really listen this morning as we dive in to the Word of God, right? You know, one of the most difficult disciplines that I think is there for us in a spiritual sense is that discipline of silence. I don't know if you realize this or not, but the number of words that the average human speak in a 24-hour period, I didn't come up with this, this was on Google, and so if you have issues with it, take it up with Google, women... Speak over 20,000 words in a day. I heard some whistling there, right? Men speak on an average of about 7,000 words a day. Do the math. There's a big difference in that number, right? Now, depending on who you are and if you'd rather talk or listen, you may be totally opposite of that. We may have more men in the room that actually talk more uh, than your wives and, and those other women. And so I don't know where you fall on that, but on the average, we are a people who loved talk, okay? And so one of the things that we struggle with is this idea that every day of our life we are bombarded with some kind of noise. We are bombarded with some kind of chatter that's going on in our life. Whether that be good, whether that be healthy for us, or whether it just not be good at all. There is constantly something going on around us in the culture that we live in. And so, when you look at this discipline of silence, and you, this carries the idea of us trying to be still and know that God is God. Man, what a challenge it is just to come before him and be still, right? But on the other hand, just to come before him in silence is something altogether different. Solitude and silence often go together uh, when we look at this uh, from a spiritual standpoint. Uh, one of the things that spiritual disciplines do, they are for the purpose of disciplining our desires and feelings and turning away from the physical appetites of the world and onto a spiritual appetite for God. Now I want you to think about that for a minute. We constantly are living in a culture where the ways of the world are constantly calling for our attention. The things that we say, the things that we do, they are always luring us in that direction and so what we want to do from a spiritual standpoint instead of having a physical appetite of that of the world we want to have more of an appetite for the things of God we want to have a thirst and a hunger for God and so we need solitude and silence more than we ever think we do I like when one author says He says, the greater mystery, surpassing all words, summons us to silence. He goes on, he says, it must, of course, be a silence with content, not just the absence of speech and action. He goes on to say, we should expect it to give us a positive stillness that will restore us. And so it's not just an idea of being quiet for quiet's sake, It carries that meaning of being still and coming before God and getting more in tune with His will and His desires and His wants for our life more than that of an appetite of the world. So our pursuit of spiritual truth is not about religion as much as it's about relationship. When you look through the Gospels, I think one of the things that we notice more and more about the life of Jesus and about his ministry is he is always seeking out one more person. He's always seeking out somebody so they can have a long and a deep relationship with him. And so, in everything that we do, what we strive to do more than anything is long for that deeper relationship. With God, Have you ever said to yourself, I feel pretty strong with God, but I want to go deeper? I feel a hunger for God, but I want to really know the depths of who God is. Because church, listen, when we really begin to hunger and thirst and know the depth of who God is, man, look at what that does for us, not just inside and internally, but look at how it changes us On the outside, we're changed in our heart and it affects us so it can have a difference on the things that we display in our life. How many of you have ever been guilty of this? You've ever opened your mouth without thinking and you said something that you regretted later? Go ahead and get your hands up. That is honest confession time. Maybe it was an innocent slip that didn't go over too big. Maybe you just let someone have it more than ever only to find out it really, really hurt their feelings. Or maybe, maybe it's something you struggle with all the time. You know how the saying goes? Open mouth and then what? Insert foot. A lot of times in our life we have to be on guard for what that looks like. And so as a way to introduce this idea of the spiritual of, of silence... I want you to turn to James chapter 3. I want you to look in James chapter 3. I love what James is saying here. James is a very practical man. He's a very, this is a very practical book. Practical advice here. And let this be a reminder as we come to this discipline of silence. I want you to take some of these key points that James is saying to us. And I want to show you. How that can really play out in our day to day life. He goes on in chapter 3 uh, and he says, Indeed, we all make many mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. Man, do you see right there at the beginning? Do you see the picture that James is painting of how powerful? Our tongue is, and I want you to do something right now. This is going to kind of be gross, but I, I want you to stick your tongue out, okay? And I want you to hold it for a minute, okay? Come on, hold, come on, do it. I know what you're in church, but do it. Stick your tongue out. That's hard, isn't it? That is hard to hold on and control our tongue, and it's such a small part of our body. But look at what James says. We make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. Let that soak in. It's a small thing that makes grand speeches but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire and among all the parts of the body the tongue is a flame of fire it's a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body it can set your whole life on fire for it's set on fire by hell itself People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish. But no one, James says, can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil. It is full of deadly poison. And sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, just like we have done this morning. And sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Well, that's just gross thinking about it, isn't it? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No. And you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. See what James is saying? Such a small part of our entire body, but yet it's pretty powerful, isn't it? He says it's so powerful that no one can tame it. And so in a nutshell, if we can control our tongue, think about this, there is nothing in our lives that we will not be able to to control you stop and think about that for a moment even though it's a small part of our body if we learn to control it there's nothing in our life that comes our way that's a lot of things that come our way just in a given day James says all the things that can come your way if you learn to control this You can learn to keep any and everything that comes into your life under control. And so, instead of fasting from food, one of the things that James is teaching us, and we're going to see this in a minute how it affects us when it comes to our uh, life spiritually, and do you realize one of the fruit of the Spirit, as, as we grow closer to God, we're learning as we're connecting with God we're learning what it looks like and what it means as Paul says to keep in step with what church with the spirit and so as we learn to keep in step with the spirit one of the fruit that comes our way is that of self control so we learn what to control we learn that it's really not about us, but it's all about God taking over. And so when we keep in step with the Spirit, let's just take self-control as an example. What we do in self-control is we give up. We give up all that it carries, and we're giving it all over to God. And we're saying, Lord, I no longer want to take control of this aspect of my life and so from a spiritual sense I am begging you Lord and I'm giving back to you what belongs to you you see that instead of us trying to take control it's all about relinquishing that and giving it back to God but here's what happens we toy with this and it's kind of a scary thing in our world because here's the question if we are silent who takes control if we are silent who takes control from a spiritual perspective God does and when we give that over to God look at what happens God not only takes control but here's what else happens We will never let Him take control until we trust Him. Do you see that? Boy, I could stand here right now and I could give you biblical example over and over of how that plays out in one's life. Because until we learn to really trust God completely, We're not going to gain control. The only way to lose that is to realize when I come before God and I'm still and I'm quiet, there's strength in that. There is strength in coming to realize I don't have to always have something to say. I don't have to always be right. I don't have to always come up with the answer that somebody may ask me. Maybe what we need to do more in our lives is just come before God and spend time just listening to His voice and to His ways. From a practical standpoint, I wonder how often we get in meetings here at church and on our everyday walk and we come to a meeting, we have a task at hand, and what do we do? Boy, we spend a lot of time talking. Okay, there's a place for that, but I wonder when is the last time where we just come before God and we just listen to Him in His Word? See, a lot of times I think the tendency is if we talk, then something's going to get done. Maybe more will get done if we just stop and listen to the voice of the one who created us. Think about that. You don't always have to have something to say. God, in his word, has something to say all the time. And we need to be more in tune with this than we do with anything else because when we're in tune with this we're going to know his heart we're going to know his desire we're going to know his true feelings of life and how that affects us day by day one of the fruits of silence is the freedom to let our justification rest entirely with god now think about that for a moment one of the fruits of silence is that freedom to just let our justification rest entirely on the hands of God and when we learn that when we come to him in our silence guess what we're gonna know how to be more in tune with him than with anything else and when we find those ways tune in with God it cannot help but affect every area of our life so by observing a silence in our lives and I'm saying on a regular basis we are training our tongue so that we can learn to control it rather than to have it control us isn't it amazing how just a small part of our body can just take over and just, can just take control. But I want to show you a couple of ways. When we observe silence, there's a couple of things that take place in our life from a spiritual standpoint that I think causes us to really grow deeper in our walk with Him. When we observe a time of silence in our life, it is another way that we can express our worship to God. Now, do what? I mean, you know, think about it. When we think about worship, we think this room right here, don't we? And when we think about this room and we think about worship, what we have the tendency to think about is us opening our mouth and singing praises to God. We we look at that time where we observe the Lord's Supper, and for the most part, it's pretty quiet. And then, for the most part, during my message, it's me talking and you hopefully, are listening, not just because I'm saying something, but the Word of God has something to say, okay? But in our silence, that is another way, it's another discipline that helps us express our worship. Listen to these words from Scripture, Habakkuk chapter 2. But the Lord is in His holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before Him. Zephaniah chapter 1 stand in silence in the presence of God for the awesome day of the Lord's judgment is near the Lord has prepared his people for a great slaughter and has chosen their executioners stand in silence in the presence of sovereign God and then the scripture that we opened our service with this morning from Psalm 46 verse 10 Be still and know that I am God. I want to challenge you in your daily walk. Just as we see examples in Scripture, I want to challenge you to try standing before God in silence as a part of your daily worship. That's a challenge. That's hard. But when you couple silence and solitude together, when you find that time to just lean upon God, instead of it being a time where you are just talking and just pouring out your heart, try just opening up the Word of God and just listen to His voice. And don't let anything get in the way of just listening to Him. So in silence, not only do we learn to express worship, but here's another one. We learn to express our faith. We often think that faith is best expressed in our words. I mean, think about it. We tell God how much we believe in Him or trust Him. In our personal relationships, our words often express a lack of faith or a lack of trust. I mean, just from a practical standpoint, if you don't like how somebody is driving the car, what do you do? You start talking, you take over, what do we call that? A backseat driver, right? Do we ever do that with God? God, I'm really not pleased here with how you're working, or God, I really don't understand that. And so all of a sudden, instead of a backseat driver, we have a backseat relationship with God where, again, We're talking to God instead of listening, and we're telling God something rather than hearing from God what He really wants us to be about in the first place. There's a big difference in that, and there really is a way to express faith through silence. Psalm 62, I wait quietly before God, for my victory comes from Him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress, where I will never be shaken. So many enemies against one man, all of them trying to kill me. I mean, everything's against him right now. And to them, I'm just a broken down wall or a tottering fence. And then he goes on to say in verse 4. Next slide, please. They plan to topple me from my high position. They delight in telling lies about me. They praise me in my face. You see how words carry such a great meaning here? They praise me in my face, but they curse me in their hearts. Let all that I am wait quietly before God, for my hope is in Him. He's my rock and my salvation, my fortress, where I will not be shaken. And then the prophet Isaiah, in Isaiah 30, verse 15, This is what the Sovereign Lord says, only in returning to me and resting in me will you be saved. And look at this next phrase, in quietness and confidence is your strength. If you're taking notes this morning, write that down. There is confidence in being still before God. There is great confidence in being quiet before God. Not only is it confidence, strength comes from that. But what does the prophet say, but you would have none of it. May that never be said about us. May that be what we long for and what we yearn for in our life. And so when you observe silence, think about it. you can still express worship, and you can still express your faith and your trust and your belief in Almighty God. So Patrick, how do, how do I do this? You know How do I go about in my busy life where I'm bombarded with noise and I love to talk, how do you do this? Well, again, it's a discipline, and so you've got to discipline yourself. And let me give you a couple of practical things uh, that you can try uh, that I think will help us. And again, when, when I say these things, as as with any discipline, don't go out like with fasting. Don't go out and try fasting forty days next week. Fast for a period of time. Fast for a day. Fast for ten hours. Start with some baby steps that will eventually lead you to greater heights in those disciplines. But I think one of the things as we practice ways of silence, practice that at home. Yeah, right. With my little toddler running all over the house, I'm not saying during those times. But when those moments are there in your life, in your home, capture that. Make the most of it. Where, and it may be a time where you have to tell your family, this is my quiet time. This is my time, and I'm not saying you're going to do that 24 hours a day. That would be ideal, wouldn't it? Okay? That's not what I'm saying here. But you find that time in your home where you can get some peace and quiet, which even though that sounds really good, but you're getting that peace and quiet with God. Okay? Find that time, make that time. Make sure that it happens. You've got com- you to commit. Here's another example. Keep your words simple. Okay, So commit to simplicity of words for a time. Practicing simplicity of words might be more difficult, but it may be more practical to practice in our everyday life. Have you ever had somebody say something to you and you thought, And I don't mean this rude, okay? But you thought to yourself, you know, I probably could have said that in so many, you know, fewer words than this long story that I just heard. And again, I'm not poking at that, but it's a challenge. Keep, Keep your words simple, practice simplicity. Only say those things that you think are really necessary, and that would even benefit those that are listening. Okay, I'm telling you, try it. Listen to this one: Silence of the Ears. I love what author T. S. Eliot says. He analyzed our culture, and as he's analyzing it, he wrote this. He said, "Where shall the world be found? Where will the word?" resound and then he says not here there's not enough silence and it that speaks volumes doesn't it because when you stop and think about it we are bombarded with words every day and so while you're at home let me think about it we have our phones around us all the time right I mean I keep my phone all the time How easy is it to turn the music on, the phone, put the earbuds in, and we go to town? I mean, we're in our own little world, right? I do that from time to time. It's fun. It's relaxing. I get all of that. But I wonder what it would look like instead of just turning that on and turning on the radio when you get in the car or turning on music instead of having all the background music and the background noise that's going on, why don't you try discipline yourselves for a period of time of not having any of that, and so when you're driving in your car, instead of thinking about all the music, what are you doing? You're more focused on the presence of God around you. Church, God is at work all around us. You know that? But a lot of times we tend to overlook it or not see it at all because we are filling our minds and our hearts with so many other things we're not even thinking about God find that time make yourself turn all of that off for a period of time where it can just be silent just you and God and see the strength and the power that comes from that in everyday life as we close I love the words as Eli is teaching the young boy Samuel we have to learn the same thing that he said to him speak Lord for your servant that's us is listening it's one thing to hear that it's another thing to actually listen to it and put it into practice May that be our prayer as we are striving to find that deeper connection with God. May that be our prayer. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So, Father, I pray this morning for deeper longing and deeper yearning for you. I pray, Father, in the busyness of our lives and in a life where we live in a culture where there are so many words that are thrown our direction. Father, help us in our own walk with you. Help us to keep things simple. Help us, Father, to say things that are meaningful, to say things that will build each other up, And Father, as we've been reminded this morning from your servant James, may we listen to that teaching and may we have it in our heart to understand that even though the tongue is such a small part of our body, help us to try to keep it under control more than we do. And Father, our prayer is for you to speak and for us to listen and to follow suit with what you would have us to do living life for you. This is our prayer in Jesus' name and all of God's people said.